Disclosure, the information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, any and all information presented in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making any decision. Hey everyone, Ben Keedy here with the Wealth Crypto Podcast on a rainy Sunday in Sacramento. But this last week, I had on my most recent guest. Her name is Lisa Nestor. She is the Chief Strategy Officer at AirTM, which is essentially a platform for people to get paid and convert local fiat into USDC. So AirTM, I think, has really latched onto one of the more interesting actual real-world use cases for crypto which is essentially people outside the U.S. being able to preserve the purchasing power of their earnings and their wealth by essentially holding USDC. So they're getting their money out of their local fiat currencies and holding USDC. It's a really interesting platform. Lisa and I had a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy. Thanks. And we're live. Lisa, what's up? Not much. It's a beautiful... Sunny day here in Los Angeles. How are you? Good, good. I mean, not the biggest Dodgers fan myself here. I'm based in Northern <laughs> California, so um, but we did not perform this well or perform well this year. So we're we're out. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is basically just the uniform in LA, so it's not personal. Yeah, yeah, no, it it never is. Um, but thanks for joining me. Maybe you can give me just you know the cliff notes real quick on who you are what you're working on, and then we can just uh, dive in from there. Sure. So my name is Lisa Nestor. I lead strategy at AirTM. Uh, AirTM is a digital dollar uh, wallet for individuals all over the world and also a payments platform. Um, We're really focused on what we like to call the digital economy and supporting individuals who are focused on earning um, a living or an income online, um, typically in uh, dollars, and then want to bring that money home. So that's where we focus on. Uh, I've been at AirTM. It will be two years uh, in January. And prior to that, I spent about five and a half years at the Stellar Development Foundation. So that was my kind of entry into crypto. Uh, And before that, did stuff um, more around financial inclusion and research. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, Maybe expand a little bit on AirTM for people who don't know what it is. Um, Mm -hmm. All it, my understanding of it is, I mean, it's it's obviously got like the global remittance thing since you guys are focused on, uh, you know, USDC and maintaining purchasing power to a degree, right? So maybe uh, what's what's the history there? How, how did AirTM come to be? Sure. So I think the best way to think about AirTM right now, um, or oftentimes, anytime you have something new is to compare it to something that we already understand. So I think the best comparison for what AirTM is right now is a Web3 PayPal. We, uh, as a company, have been around since 2016. And so the product has evolved a lot over the last eight years. But um, we started and continue to provide uh, a digital dollar wallet 
to retail users, um, individuals, primarily in Latin America and other um, kind of global markets. So we don't have a ton of users here in the U.S. for our digital dollar wallet. And when AirTM started eight years ago, uh, the use case it was very focused on was what we like to call the wealth preservation use case. Mm-hmm. Um, our founders uh, either had Latin American roots or were just kind of understanding um, the situation that was happening in Argentina and like Venezuela and other countries where they were experiencing hyperinflation. It was early crypto days. And so they kind of created what I'll call a stablecoin wallet before we were even talking about stablecoins um, to give individuals uh, from those countries a place to have kind of secure um, and stable dollar savings um, so that they didn't have to keep all of their money um, maybe in cash dollars or in local currency. And um, so that's where the the company started. I will say a big innovation that AirTM brought to the table um, to be able to provide that product was developing um, a really cool peer-to-peer marketplace that essentially leveraged um, individuals to facilitate that last mile on or off ramp. And so that's how the company was able to actually successfully provide you know, this digital dollar account um, in places that it was kind of difficult to do. From there, the company evolved a lot. And um, we eventually discovered that many of our users really liked the peer-to-peer marketplace as a way not just to get access to dollars, but oftentimes to cash out what we'll call trap dollars um, Mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, other forms of dollars, you know, you can imagine like a PayPal or a Panier or, you know, something like that to um, bring it home. And so, you know, we kind of got curious about that and realized that that was because oftentimes our um, our on and off ramps were much faster and much cheaper than these kind of larger platforms. So um, users would come to AirTM, especially in these markets like Argentina, as an alternative way to kind of withdraw locally. And so we decided to um, build an enterprise product so that we could start providing a way for individuals to be able to get paid into AirTM and then take their money home as an alternative than, you know, getting paid into like a PayPal or some other type of freelancer platform and then coming to AirTM and going home. So now we have an enterprise product and a retail product. And our enterprise product essentially allows companies to onboard with AirTM and then distribute bulk payments out to any AirTM wallet um, or collect payments from these wallets as well. And so it's a you know two-sided user base. And I guess the last thing I'll say is that under the hood, um, we are a USDC wallet and platform. We run on the Stellar blockchain. And um, yeah, we, I think, just really focus on building a product that very uniquely meets the needs of these individuals around the world and enterprises and helps them transact with each other more easily. Interesting. Okay. So, so the retail platform was first. And then through all that, you guys picked up some value adds that inspired this enterprise platform, which 
is all flavored by this sort of digital creator nomad, you know, international citizen type sort of value add, right? Am I getting all that correct? Yeah. I would say even, you know, I think the use case of the freelancer, the digital nomad is like, I think anecdotally pretty well known, especially okay. in the US. Sure. What I think is a use case that isn't as well known, but I would say is a huge market is what we call um, like taskers. So, you know, how do we train AI platforms all over the world? How do we kind of collect data? And um, I would say that there's been um, a large growth um, probably in the last 10 years with these kind of um, lower paid online jobs that are helping to, um, you know, power a lot of data and kind of um, insight through so like, uh, online activity. Are you talking like maybe a Fiverr, for example, type thing? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or, okay. um, yeah, if you're one of our largest clients is um, a company that trains AI algorithms and language learning models and they, you know, leverage um, individuals from around the world yeah. to kind of do things to collect that data. And so sure. what they need um, is, you know, access to labor that can kind mm -hmm. of get online, but is willing to do these tasks for, you know, probably lower amounts of money. Um, and what those individuals need uh, is a product that like actually helps them collect the $10 payment in Kenya or in Argentina sure. at like a reasonable rate. So yeah. RTM's done a good job of like filling that specific niche, yeah. but there's lots of other use cases outside of that. Sure. Okay. So, I mean, th this makes sense. I would imagine if you are say just like a global, I guess maybe contractor, right. Or consultant or whatever, yeah. and you live in, I don't know, Singapore or Africa or wherever mm -hmm. is I get well I guess it depends based on the local currency right but I assume there is a large global preference for dollars and if you are say a US based company tasking out all this work how do you go about paying those people effectively is mm -hmm. it kind of sounds like the genesis of the enterprise platform yep exactly yeah and I think you know we um you know, there's, it's never just like one thing. There's always like lots of little advantages that you can bring the bring to the table. But I think you're exact exactly right. Where there was kind of a trifecta of online labor and um and that becoming a new growing segment. We think of it as like the next generation of remittances. I yeah. used to have to migrate to America to access a better economy and earning opportunity. But now I just kind of get online to do that work, right? Yeah. And so that happening at the same time, you have like stable coins and digital dollars really mm -hmm. taking off. So suddenly, you know, those things come together and it's like, you know, we often are pitching an enterprise on why they should, you know, be open to letting a user get a crypto payment as opposed to, you know, having to do it through a more traditional method. And, um, you know, the advantages, I think, for the user, though, are very clear if they can get their money faster, if they can, um, you know, withdraw it through cheaper options, um, sure. pay lower fees. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Did did you guys want to be sort of like a payroll company at the enterprise level? Was that 
or did it just kind of naturally happen? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I would definitely say that we're more than that. And um, I think that AirTM culturally as a company has uh, a very entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, Our CEO, Ruben, loves entrepreneurship, you know, is very much, um, I think we, a lot of our team comes from people who are employees, you know, we, most of our team is in Argentina, uh, or other types of countries. So I think there's like a deep, um, empathy and kind of like connection with this idea of supporting people who just want to like better themselves and access opportunities fairly. And so, you know, that started with, I want a currency or I want a place to save that's like fair for me. And I think it's grown into like, I want to be able to earn. And I mean, frankly, from a product standpoint, it took the company a few years, but I can just tell you, and for any listeners out there, stable coins are awesome, but a business model that's trying to sell savings accounts to hyperinflationary economies is a tough one (laughs) (laughs) because people don't have a ton to save. And like, yes, you can do it, but it's just like, you have to evolve out of just that, you know, use case. Uh, And I think for AirTM, it was, well, how do we keep these users, but like make this a real, you know, a bigger product. And it's like, let's help these people earn money. Like, let's not just help them save, let's help them earn. And so that's become a big thing. And um, I think another unique value prop that we're really focused on is building community. And so we found this flywheel where, like I said, a lot of these enterprises, they're looking for workers and our workers are looking for earning opportunities. So we've spent a lot of time in the last year or two cultivating that community. Like our Discord is live. It's growing fast now of just people who are like, oh, I do AI task work over here. There's like another company that I can do gig work with over here and help them to really nurture that kind of cross sale. Interesting. And do you guys kind of view this sort of connector platform as like a business or is this more, I guess, community benefit? Like, how do you kind of balance It's incredibly useful for us as a business. Yeah. Um, I would say that to many of our enterprise clients, one of the biggest selling points to them is access to our community. Um, You know, they're, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something there. And then for our community as well, um, you know, in the same way that a bank may think, Oh, like if we sell our client, you know, the checking account, let's also sell them on a loan. For us, we see it as like, oh, if we have you earning through one enterprise, like let's get you earning through another. That's a you know a metric that we focus on, like how much are we able to see kind of like growth in yeah in that yeah. vertical where there's more connection because we make money on every transaction as well, right? Sure. So if our earners are earning more, if our enterprises are getting more jobs done at AirTM, then we we also benefit from that. Gotcha. Are so the enterprises you work with are like what types of businesses are they? Are they all Web three type things, or are they legacy yeah. sort of Web two, Web one? Like, yeah, I would say Web two. Like a lot of marketplaces and platforms. Um, a lot of, like I said, companies that 
help get online digital tasks done, whether Mm -hmm. that's like testing an app or, you know, solving an online puzzle or, um, you know, playing a game or something. So we are very much focused on web two companies that I would say are kind of future forward and that they're very digital, but their payment options that they've historically used are also very web two, right? Maybe web Um, one. (laughs) Yeah. Web one, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, it's very cool. Um, One of the things that I really found attractive about RTM um, personally when I was leaving Stellar was just kind of like having a thing to really connect with non-crypto companies. You know, it's like like, crypto is super cool, but one of the things that makes me eye roll is like, you know, oh, here's another DeFi DAP trading platform. Yeah, yeah. NFTs and you're just like oh my goodness yeah so I think it's really cool that most of RTM's customers like they don't come to us because of anything with crypto it's like we need to you know do yeah. 10,000 payouts a month across Africa like yeah. you guys have a better solution and we do and so um it's been cool we have a partnership with Circle um and you know kind of refer a lot of companies to them and um I think it's that's a point of pride that we're bringing a lot of kind of traditional companies to the table. Yeah. It's, I love the real world use case, right? Like <laughs> I personally, I, I say this, I've said this a lot the last couple of months, but I feel like the analogy that I give is nobody really cares how like Google cloud or iCloud is coded. Right. And I kind of feel like crypto is very caught up and like, the tech and the infrastructure, which is great if you speak that language, but I personally don't. Yeah. I, you know, uh, my day job is uh, sales. Like I do sales. Like, what's the real world mm-hmm. use case, right? Like, yeah. um, setting up a layer one to push payments to wallets globally is like okay, cool. But you know, we have a thousand contractors in Africa. We can pay them immediately using you know dollar backed stablecoin. Like that just makes mm-hmm. a lot more sense. Um, totally. So I think crypto is kind of it appears that the real world use cases are really starting to materialize and like, you know, oh, yeah. crypto, DeFi, AI, machine learning, all that stuff is like playing its role in the background, but it's actually now really communicating value to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I um, couldn't agree more. We uh, are getting ready for Money 2020. Um, it's around the corner. I don't know if you've ever been to that. Event. No, um, we've got like oh. a whole list of crypto conferences and things that I got to attend now. Yeah, no, the, well, this is like the, you know, the granddaddy of all fintech um, conferences. So it's not just crypto, but it's definitely gotten very crypto-y. Um, but we are hosting a happy hour and we're calling it the Web3 stack. And it's with Stellar and MoonPay and Circle and AirTM. And, um, I, yeah, I totally like, I think part of the reason that we can start focusing on use cases now is because like all of the building blocks are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's like the blockchains, they work. Everybody's yeah. like not talking about them anymore. It's old news, but like they work and that's the thing that yeah. matters. And then you yeah. have this like asset, USDC, that like it also works. Like people feel confident about it. You know, yeah. it, it can it can go on without there being some concern. And so 
okay, so now we have like an asset and a ledger, and then we have payment rails from MoonPay that makes liquidity and the on and off really easy. And finally, um, a company like AirTM can come to the table and say like, here's the unique problem that we're solving. This is exactly who our user is, and this is exactly what we do for them. And, you know, AirTM is fully dependent on everybody else in that stack to be able to do what we do. And I just think it's taken a lot of years to get the confidence and get the kind of stability of all those base layers. Yeah. Um, And now the fun finally gets to happen. Yeah. Now we're, you know, a couple of bull markets and bear markets later. I I wanted to kind of go back to like the genesis. So this started around a retail user, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What is sort of the average profile of the retail user using RTM? Are they, you know, Web3 DeFi crypto people? Are they more sort of everyday people like maybe a contractor or something, you know, building houses in uh, Argentina? Yeah, I think um, it's more of the latter. I mean, I don't know if they're a contractor. That's that's sure. going very yeah. like fault of the earth. They are. Um, so we did this really cool event um, at the. I guess we'll probably do it again. It was called. Um, it's like AirTM Shark Tank, right? Because yeah. we have all of these digital entrepreneurs and you know it's also kind of like um a real lighthouse for us as a company on that persona and who we focus on serving and so we invited people to basically like showcase their business and how Mm -hmm. like what they do to be earning on airtm and why they use airtm and then we awarded them and it was great i mean we had um folks (laughs) one person who I remember really vividly is a person who does cello lessons and they make like cello YouTube videos and stuff. And so they're like a content creator. And that's the way that they kind of cash out their payments in Argentina is through AirTM. Um, Or there was another woman who came on and she was a freelancer and again, kind of um, used AirTM as the way to get her payments out. And I think she was more in like graphic arts and design. So that's one. It's been interesting because we have been growing globally um, very rapidly. And a lot of that is because of the enterprise business. Yeah. So when we were on the retail side, it was like, these are our markets, you know, this is where we play. And then we bring on a big client and they're like, hey, you know, PayPal just went down for us. Like, can you get payments to Kenya? And we're like, well, I guess we will try, you know, and yeah, so yeah. kind of building out those bases. So I would say in some of our newer markets, they can be more on that tasker side where uh-huh. it's like, I go online, I look for, you know, um, jobs to kind of make a few dollars online every yeah. day and not yeah. meaningful for me. Um, so yeah, our average transaction size um, is around sixty four dollars. Okay, and we certainly have folks that you know are earning like a thousand, um, but I would say much more. It tends to skew towards like fifty dollars or less, or having like you know a, a higher level payment around sure. um, like a couple hundred or a thousand. Okay, do with success at the enterprise level, I would assume 
you know, local jurisdictions are going to start to take notice of what you guys do. So like the example you kind of touched on is, you know, we can't use PayPal anymore for whatever reason, right? Mm-hmm. Do you guys run into sort of a regulatory conversation, I guess, um, since you're such a global business? Sure. Yeah. I mean, well, I would say, you know, the what we do is different from PayPal. So we do, um, you know, have some flexibility there. But yes, definitely. I think jurisdictions always matter. And we, um, you know, can support businesses and going all over the world. But certainly if we start to grow um, and start to see a lot of adoption in certain markets where we hadn't been focused before, we have to kind of dive in and really Uh do that due diligence. Um, But yes, we, uh, you know, are a crypto wallet. We leverage USDC and then we integrate um, local payment methods to mm-hmm. um, and payment providers to support our on and off ramp um, or leverage the peer to peer market. So those are all things that we have to kind of review and understand within the local context if yeah. we start growing big in any given place. Um, so yeah, it's been kind of a a fun and interesting challenge, I think, for our legal team, but we, um, you know, I think global expansion is the name of the game. Yeah. As a business, it's definitely, uh, you know, lessons for us to learn where, you know, not all growth is good growth. Sometimes you do have to um, think about things like, is the user satisfaction score like high enough in this market? You know, like yeah. we, for example, have had instances where, uh, our growth will suddenly spike, you know, maybe because of a new enterprise partner. And the KYC vendor that we use in that region is like not great there. And so uh-huh. suddenly we're having these like, you know, tons of tickets and failure rates with identification. And it's like, you yeah. know, we thought this was going to be good, but we're actually creating like a horrible customer experience right now. Like we need to kind of take a second and pause. So uh-huh. Growing pains, um, but yes, it is. Uh, I think you kind of focus on, um, you know, the the framework and the policies that you set up as a business and your core markets, and then just kind of like take it piece by piece as you see expansion and growth. Yeah. So, I, how do you guys think about like founding values of? crypto and sort of self-sovereignty and you know you own your keys and all that sort of stuff and then balance that with it sounds like kyc requirements and you know identity and those types of things yeah love that question so um rtm has always been a like do the job kind of company not do the idea um and so it, uh, you know, for its history, uh, for most of its history has been a custodial platform. You know, it's just kind of like we we understand what the people want and what they're asking for. And, um, you know, don't need to, like, kind of be on a high horse about any type of philosophy. Sure. That being said, you know, the world has evolved and things have changed. And a big, I think, piece 
um, especially in Latin America and some of our core markets, is like the way people were thinking about crypto in 2016 is not the way that they're thinking about it in 2023. I uh. think there's been a lot of um, learning and adoption and things like USDC and USDT, like people know these, you know, brands, they know these uh, assets now. Yeah. And so I think we have, as a company have tried to like catch that wind, so to speak, and leverage uh, it where it makes sense. And right now um, we're in the process of executing a migration for our retail wallets to become self custodial wallets on the seller okay. blockchain yeah which is a big deal and part of it is because we do ultimately think that that is a very valuable product for our users to have to yeah. um kind of do the things that they want to do and i think we also think that it sets us up for some exciting things in the future that we can do with our users and um we've kind of grown into it but um we will continue to have a kyc program and yep. you know that is because um our users may be holding or landing funds into their own wallet where which they have keys and access to but we think of airtm now as being kind of like a transaction layer above that wallet and mm-hmm. for um we understand that our job is not to be a wallet. Like that's kind of something that exists, um, yeah. but that's not the job that we're doing, so to speak. Yeah. What we're doing is helping people connect to the global economy. We're helping people yeah. like earn and get paid by businesses. And to do that job, there is, you know, compliance. And like yeah. there, if you want to connect with the global dollar economy, then there's things that you need to do. So. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I think we see ourselves as being a bridge for our users and we want to give them ultimate control and we understand some of the pain points that are kind of pretty unique to some of these countries. And so we want them to have that self-custodial wallet, but our job is to also help them access and participate in this larger economy. And that's why it's necessary for people to know who they are. Yeah, I I totally get it. Like, I think the world, if you view it realistically, operates in shades of gray almost all mm-hmm. the time. There's very few true black and white scenarios. So, you know, being a global money business, part of your constituents mm-hmm. are the regulators. And, mm-hmm. you know, you don't really need to piss them off. Like, yeah. you can work nicely with them um, and execute your service well. And I think mm-hmm. what you said, I, I do like what you said, like your job is not necessarily to be a wallet. It's more to be a connector and enable people to get access to all this work and these opportunities. Um, But I would assume, you know, if the user is still so inclined, they could pull their money out, convert it to Bitcoin or ETH or whatever, and put it in a cold storage wallet if they want to, right? Yeah. So users will, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Yes. Users will have access to their keys and yep. will be able to withdraw funds. Like we still have, we do have transaction controls and limits as part of our platform. So we can, th- there's basically a one way you can get money out and it's not going to be through any of the, you know, withdrawal methods or peer to peer methods or anything like that. So 
um, that's there, but I don't know. It's, it is, I saw an article, um, I think just yesterday about Heather freezing some USDT and I don't know, I think your comment about shades of gray, it is going to kind of continue to be that way. I think what feels important to us is to give people a secure account where they are the only ones who have ultimate access to their funds. Um, Now, their identity and also kind of gives them separation at times from, you know, maybe local banking infrastructure that has failed them in the past, right? That kind of feels like a new generation of more reliable, secure kind of um, savings. Uh, But um, as I said before, like their ability to take that money through, you know, clear transaction um, uh, platforms or kind of move their money through third parties, that does require identification and permissioning, right? So I don't know. I think we're coming into a bit of a a hybrid space, um, which doesn't surprise me. Like that's typically things never go to one extreme or the other. It's always like somehow in the middle. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's been an area I've been watching a lot and very curious about, especially like coming from the stellar system where, you know, we saw all these self-custody wallets and they're kind of like doing interesting things. And then, as as self custody just gets more adoption, like where does the kind of where does it start to break? Um, where do people, um, I don't know, start integrating parts of that technology, but still require some levels of identity or verification, maybe even just to do things with your wallet or with do to do things with funds that is in your wallet. So yeah, um, yeah, it's. It's interesting how I think the user old. There's always going to be that segment that wants to keep, you know, their cold storage wallet like buried mm-hmm. in the backyard type thing. But I mean, at least for a US customer, I think a lot of people still kind of like the idea of, you know, the FDIC and that you don't, you know, send Bitcoin to an ETH address and it just, you know, explodes in the internet somewhere and then it's gone, right? Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there will be. I think you're right, this sort of hybrid kind of reality for people and people can kind of move along that spectrum, I think, as, as you know, they want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, um, I think there's different tools for different jobs. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I'm a, I like Bitcoin. I'm have Bitcoin, you know, and like it's not um the same thing as having like um I don't know, I even think of them as kind of being slightly different products having a um web3 dollar account that you can receive payments into. So yeah. there are yeah, I guess um I think that there's many use cases within crypto and I have a lot of respect for um, privacy and, you know, projects and platforms that are really investing in, um, digital privacy when, you know, and transactions. Um, and I think that it's important, um, you know, and I have, you know, like I think cold storage and being able to hold your own assets is really important. 
Um, I guess I just think that there's, you know, a lot of beautiful flowers in the world. And <laughs> just because something isn't like this doesn't mean that it doesn't yeah. still have a lot of its utility. Yeah, yeah, no, I would totally agree. Um, so with all that being said, uh, as the chief strategy officer, where where do you guys go the next like couple of years? What or what are you guys focused in on? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think the enterprise growth is very exciting for AirTM, and I think it's also going to um, push us a lot in terms of our own maturity and kind of the things that we do. I guess um, we are very focused on the customers, as I said before, and kind of thinking deeply about their needs and what, what they need. And I think both on the enterprise side and on the retail side, there's a lot of fun things that we can do, um, even in the Web3 space. So um, I think for users, like a very obvious, there's a couple of very obvious products that we have been dying to get out for a long time, which is like launching cards so that they have ways that they can, you know, spend directly from AirTM. But even thinking about some of these, um, you know, access to various DeFi products or pools, like we, we would love to um, give our clients um, interest earning balances and accounts or yeah. just like give them even access to other assets. I don't think we're ever going to be like a DeFi wallet, but I would love to be a gateway for people who want to explore that space and just make it super easy to go from like sure. your USDC you're holding an AirTM to like, any other DeFi platform that you would want to be exploring or participating in. So, um, yeah, I think like, yeah, getting interest earning balances, getting cards, like just doing things that we can build out for those users. Um, on the enterprise side, I think we will continue to, um, you know, try and grow in our deal size. And, you know, there's huge mega marketplaces out there that we think um we could have a great partnership with <laughs> um, if you think of your like ubers or your airbnbs or i mean yeah. when you think of some, somebody like uber who you know has these drivers who want to get paid small amounts oftentimes on a daily basis they want their money fast they want their money now um and we think we could be a great solution in a lot of global markets but you know right. those are those are big deals to get i guess the thing that's kind of like a very we'll say the like um the crazy idea, the okay. thing that we're kind of looking at, um, but it's it's not that crazy, is uh, giving um, access to other wallets in the crypto space, basically like white labeling our peer-to-peer -peer marketplace as okay. a on and off rail that would be available to other wallets. Yeah, um, we've had a lot of demand for it, but okay. we just the way that our product is built, it's kind of like a full experience where you have an yeah. ATM wallet in order to be able to participate in this marketplace. Yeah. But, you know, I think as like when you see places where crypto is surging in Africa, in Latin America, yeah. and some of these other countries and people kind of think like, oh, you know, like not to bash anyone but like world coin like oh we're gonna you know go to all of these countries yeah. and like do all of this stuff I'm and let you with this out. orb <laughs> yeah you with an orb but you know i think they 
the reality of like, oh, how do we let people like deposit and withdraw across all of these global markets? And like, wow, like we're going to have to figure out all of these local payment rails. And Airtm's kind of like already done that in a really interesting and sustainable way. So yeah. it's kind of like a big next step for our business to have a very, so basically we always call it like um, making our peer-to-peer like moon pay. where it's more of just like a widget experience that you can use to be able to um, fund or withdraw into any any wallet, any uh, crypto wallet. So that could be very cool to do, but it's, you know, just kind of like a little bit of work to get there. It's Yeah, it's a different build. Like I've been a part of a couple of startups where you start with like an individual use case retail application. And then, you know, you need as you grow and have success and sell bigger deals, you need different things that needs to be built differently. And then, you know, when do you do it? Does it make sense? All that stuff is so you're kind of on that journey right now. of Like, what, how do we totally. make how do we make this platform? And it's weird. It's, you know, when you think of somebody like Uber, it's like, okay, well, we could have them make it so that AirTM's just a payment rail or it's the wallet that you receive your money into. And, yeah. you know, it's like, well, it probably would be easier if it's a payment rail, but what's the long-term value for us as a business if it's a wallet? Is it kind of worth fighting for? Do we think that there's, yeah. like I said, all of these like add-on services that we should be that like we can really build a lot of value around. So, you know, I, you have to kind of really think about some of these decisions and you test them and, you know, I don't think you can kind of like make it in isolation, but it's interesting to explore from the strategy perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Like I work, my day job is a very big uh, financial services technology company and we're massive in all the things that we do, but we didn't get here overnight. Right. Like it took mm-hmm. 30 plus years to be this wow. monstrous company that can do almost anything financial services tech. Mm-hmm. Um, we even have crypto too, which I need to actually reach out about. But yeah, it, it takes time to to build all these offerings. But I generally think like if you think about it, like you guys seem to from the user perspective, and that is, you know, your retail user, your regulators, right? Um mm-hmm. The actual enterprise as long as you really sit there and understand what the client wants and keep it flexible mm-hmm. ultimately the product will get there um yeah so that's exciting though that's pretty cool yeah very cool yeah um i don't know what else like outside of air tm uh as far as goes, <laughs> or maybe thoughts in general what's <laughs> what's on your- <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you don't want you don't want to go there you yeah know? um no you know i crypto is cool like i um i don't know i'm trying to think of what i've been following in the news or what i think is really interesting um the i guess you brought up um some of the stuff i i guess i haven't been following as much but the tornado cash um stuff you know and then the recent release of let's see this new kind of like regulated mixer. Did you follow this? Oh, no, I've not seen this. Um, um, I have to find the name of it. Uh, where basically these folks launched like a new mixer version um, yeah. on Ethereum, I think, that you can kind of like prove that you are not part of wallets that are associated with 
sanctions list, but still contain um, your anonymity. Uh, yeah, I need to find the interesting ZK proof uh, use yeah. case. Um, I don't want to pay my taxes, but I'm not a terrorist. So. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, there's always a there's always a good use case that people um, put out. But let's see if oh, I yeah. can find it. Crypto, for better or for worse, likes to live on the edge and sort of push boundaries. So, totally, totally. I thought that was a really interesting project and i just kind of one of those things that's like somebody has to poke the bear on it or keep like engaging and experimenting so um i do think it's interesting um you know there's a lot of i think crypto as like an exciting technology just like any new technology bumps up against like norms or you know rules of how we've always done things and Mm -hmm. um it's important that we have those rules and norms but it's also important that they evolve and i think you know you yeah. kind of have to keep pushing it so do you uh, interesting you said something earlier about uh you guys noticing that your customers getting more i guess sophisticated or at least topically educationally mm-hmm. aware of just crypto concepts what uh what I guess what what else have you found around that? Because like the idea that I always so my background is wealth management. That's where I got my start mm-hmm. after college, and like just basic financial literacy has always been like a big thought of mine. And I think you know a lot of people could save themselves a lot of trouble if they just understood foundational concepts like easy things, you know, like an interest mm-hmm. rate or what debt is and stuff like that. But um. Crypto has been interesting to me, I guess, in a certain sense, just because it seems more people, even if it is just crypto degens, mm-hmm. are more, you know, uh, financially aware of, you know, all these different things that impact our lives. So I, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, I went to Buenos Aires um, last year. and. A lot of my team members are from there. Yeah. And I will tell you, they are so sophisticated when it comes to exchange rate and um, the currency markets. I don't know. Yeah. It is it is wild. And it's not yeah. just um, Argentina, you know, Venezuela, Colombia, like, any of these places, Nigeria, like where you tend to have um, some opaqueness and the exchange rates and things like that. And, you know, you put in a little hyperinflation. So I think, um, what do they say? It's like necessity is the mother of all invention or something like that. I think, you know, the like we have certainly seen um airtm users like understanding um crypto more and i think uh understanding stable coins and like what they mean a bit but i also don't want to oversell that like yeah at the end of the day you know i think people adopt and they understand enough but like if you went to, you know, uh, average user of ours 
and you were like, do you know what USB-C is? And they might say yes. And then you're like, explain it to me. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And the response you get may not be as sophisticated as you're thinking. So I guess I think there's like trust and adoption of these things. Um, But, you know, I will say we um, earlier this year launched our own like... um, direct withdrawal, direct crypto withdrawal, kind of on this path to self-custody. Now users on AirTM can withdraw, you know, directly from their wallet to another seller address. And um, it's by far the cheapest way to move money off of AirTM. And it was very scary for us to do that because, um, you know, Binance is like our competitor in the streets. In the yeah. streets of Argentina, because yeah. um, Binance has a big peer-to-peer market and it's you know a big exchange with a lot of liquidity, yeah. and so yeah. if you are a crypto savvy consumer and you get paid in USDC, you would probably just go to Binance to cash that out. You'll probably save like a little bit rather than go to RTM. But you know we're 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 always competing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was scary for us to launch that, um, and. What we have seen is our retail users are not very quickly moving to it. Um, yeah, I think we have um, a sec. We have a, a group of users, which is our cashiers. These are kind of our, um, you know, like extra verified users that support the peer-to-peer transactions, and they all have a deep understanding of digital yeah. assets, crypto liquidity. They're on Binance and any other platform. Like they do that all day. There are primary users for that sure. feature that we have. Um, and it's been really interesting to see that I think for the most part, retail users want a brand that they trust. Yep. They want a process that they trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just want to like get it done. So for them, yeah, totally. it's like, I don't know, using this very crypto native rail to like optimize on the absolute best price. Sure. I don't think so. And I think it's also because like, they don't have Binance accounts. They don't, yep. they're not trading. They get USDC, they get stable yeah. coins, they see it on AirTM, but they're using it out of like their use case, their necessity, not because they're, you know, mature crypto focused users. So, oh, yeah. No, I, I totally get it. The idea that like they need to go get best price on, you know, some Argentinian peso to, uh, USDC transaction is like kind of ridiculous, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, we're all guilty of it. I think like just pay the luxury mm-hmm. tax if it's easy and I pay like an extra 1% for it. Sure. Totally. <laughs> Whatever. <Yeah. laughs> um, totally. And it's how we keep ourselves honest too. Um, it's actually this kind of like, if you, you know, if you want to be Web3 and you want to like get people the best payment rails, then you kind of got to like give them the door. And so it's something that we really monitor at a country level is like, how much are our retail users using this direct crypto withdrawal? Yeah. Because if they're using it a lot, it's because our rails aren't good enough, right? Because yeah. if they were within that 1% margin, people will just use us because there is that convenience fee. So Sure. If they're going somewhere else, it's because like we haven't gotten where we need yeah, to yeah. be in performance in that market. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's good. It keeps you honest. I think it's um, and at the end of the day, like if 
yeah, I think it's, it's, I find digital dollar liquidity fascinating, like, and just the big how topic people, these days. yeah, or just like how people, how it does move like water and people just kind of like find liquidity, you know, wherever they can. And it kind of moves around. So, um, I think AirTM can be a great source of USDC liquidity for like the average person in a lot of sure. these countries. And yeah. we, um, you know, as much as we want to give people all of the power of web three, like yeah. in doing so, it, yeah, it keeps us honest and we have to like earn their business to use our rails. Sure. Yeah. And you know, also too, like you can't be everything to everyone, you know, mm-hmm. um, building a mile wide versus mile deep. You know, there's an argument to be had there, but, uh, you know, if you guys focus in on what you do and you do it really well, at least, you know, you have that. Like I've mm-hmm. again, worked a number of tech, tech companies, startups where, you know, focus was all over the place and big ideas mm-hmm. and you get pulled a million directions. And then all of a sudden you're doing nothing well. And it's like, oh, great. <laughs> it, uh, happens. it does happen. Um, but let's see, we're right at about that hour mark. Do you want to? Anything you want to finish up with or? I don't think so. I mean, this has been great. How long have you had this podcast? Uh, How long? It's been about a year and a half. So you are going to be episode 41. Um, wow. Yeah. And what got you to start it? Boredom. Yes. I, <laughs> um, I don't know. I always kind of had this entrepreneurial kind of thing, but uh it wasn't the time or place for me to take a huge risk like we just gotten married and i'd already done that to my girlfriend now wife in the past so mm-hmm. you know as you get into relationships both sides matter <laughs> um <laughs> but uh I, this was just like an easy way for me to just kind of explore something and kind of do it on my terms like um you know it's meant to be super casual like i do this mostly for fun if it ended up too much like work I don't really make money on this thing just yet. So, um, so it would quickly fall away, but it's been great. And I've met so many people, which has been fantastic. Like the most interesting thing to me is while, you know, production value could certainly be better, you know, my marketing, you know, all that stuff, it can always be better. I've been very fortunate with the guests that I've had, um, Mm. I don't know. That's been honestly yeah, the easiest the part of the whole thing. There. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've had some great people on. Um, and it's all just, you know, kind of through referrals and just, you know, now now it's big enough that people can go kind of cruise through Spotify or YouTube and see, mm-hmm. oh, okay. know them, heard of them, know that company. Like, and that, mm-hmm. see, that seems to be the amount of due diligence that people do. So, um, totally. yeah, but it's been fun. So. Very cool. Good for you. That sounds yeah. like a really awesome project. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps evolving. Um, all the social media stuff is new. So that is in the last yeah. couple of weeks, I started, well, I outsourced uh, to somebody actually in the Philippines of all places. So maybe I should refer. Um, We're in the Philippines. This guy, Jeff, yeah. that I know. Um, Actually, I'll definitely do that just because he's a big, mm-hmm. he's been on the podcast series, big crypto guy as well. So this might be, yeah. um, but, uh, yeah, um, you know, just slowly kind of pushing this rock uphill. 
uh, <laughs> when I have time, like I've got a day job and we have a baby at home and wife and friends and family and all that stuff. So it's not unlimited hours of the day. So yeah. Yeah. no, but good. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, maybe let's just leave it there. Uh, anyone who wants to check out AirTM, just go to the website, social media, all that stuff, right? Yep, airtm.com. We are on uh, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, airtm, A-I-R-T-M. Think of it as an ATM in the air. Love that. (laughs) Thanks, Lisa. Yeah, take care. Great meeting you.